This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, you can tune us in on 96.fm. I'm Walter Rigamon, my co-host as usual, Naz Marchese. And with us in studio, joining us on this special Valentine's Day edition of the Naz and Wally Sports Show is uh, former Raptors coach, Butch Carter. Good morning, Butch. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Did you fulfill your Valentine's Day duty, Butch? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I actually uh, am pretty well trained now. So, uh, <laughs> I absolutely did. Made my uh, uh, card purchase and gift uh, a couple days ago and uh, stored them away and uh, handed them out before I took off this morning. A very wise man. Naz, I think. Not it. yet. <laughs> Naz, I Happy Valentine's it. to my wife, Mary Lane. Uh, Thirty-one and, years married, you know. Like fantastic, and of course to my wife, and uh, thirty-three, thirty-four, I think, coming up this year. So uh, certainly, and Happy Valentine's Day to everybody else out there. But uh, last week was uh, Super Bowl Fifty, and it was not the result that uh, I know that I didn't predict. It wasn't the result that you didn't predict, Naz. And I'm not sure what result you had in mind, Butch, but. Uh, Certainly, that that was that was kind of a surprising turn of events, and uh, don't don't really want to go over the uh, the ins and outs of the game. But uh, there was some controversy at the end of the game, um, and uh, this is where I wanted to get your input in uh, on this, Butch. Um, Cam Newton, MVP, and you know, feel free to comment on the game what uh, what uh, what uh, what you felt was the difference in the game. But Cam Newton came under a great deal of criticism for a couple of things right at the end. One, a controversial play uh, near the end of the game where he fumbled the ball and, and, and he apparently was criticized for looking like a deer caught in the headlights, not knowing what to do with that ball, whether to jump on it or not, and he was criticized for that. Uh, to me, perhaps unfairly. And um, his behavior in, in the uh, press conference after the game. Uh, first of all, butch your comments on the game and to those to, to those criticisms. Well, um, let's just go right to it. Uh, Cam has been a unique athlete that is uh, even through controversy found his way. Um, you know, he, he got in trouble at Florida. There was some trouble at Florida, and he left Florida and he ends up at Auburn. Uh, he goes to junior college, wins a championship there, and then ends up at Auburn. Um, you know, a, a controversial pick, even for Carolina, that uh, Jerry Richardson let his team take Cam and go into Carolina, being a very conservative community. Um, he has been—he was an outstanding quarterback this year. Uh, the MVP award shows that. But he was—he—he um, he made a mistake, and I think that uh, 
It's one of those things that he has to live with. Great athletes do things that aren't perfect, and then they have to grow. Uh, for me, it's not a matter of, you know, no, he did not handle the – you could have handled the presser better. But the problem is is that you don't go into pressers thinking that you're going to lose the game. In your mind, you're thinking you're going to the presser and you're probably preparing to win the game. The game reminded me of the Philadelphia debacle in the Super Bowl that Cam and Donovan McNabb both looked like they did not have the energy that they had during the regular season. He seemed slower. He seemed fatigued right from the start. And then they get unlucky. I think the the reception down the middle that was called a non-completed pass. Well, that was definitely a completed pass. Right. So it, it, it sets them up for in, in Denver with, with the best defense. I think there had been 11 prior Super Bowls where the number one defense came in and they had won nine of those games. But the reality at the end of it is that your MVP, there's a certain expectation because your benchmark against the other MVPs, not just on the field of play, but in the press room. And uh, he did not get high marks. He did a very good job of deserving those low marks. So he just has to grow up. What's the uh, – I mean, you've been around professional sports almost your entire life, Butch. Um, what are the expectations of professional athletes What, uh, in terms of their relationship with the media? Obviously, Cam didn't seem to deal with that very well after the game. Well, he's, he, I don't think he's ever dealt well with criticism. He has uh, directly tried to be you know, his own person or what he feels is his own person. And, um, you know, in the United States, uh, after African Americans uh, were allowed to do things with the Civil Rights Bill, uh, this is part of the product that, that you're going to get, that there are freedoms that 30 years ago we weren't even allowed to do. So... Um, to me, it's, it's, uh, uh, you must go forward and, uh, he's part of the moving forward part 30 years ago. Uh, you know, I don't think we had, uh, black quarterbacks in the NFL. So he's compared, if he's an MVP, he's compared to Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, uh, the John Elways, right? So character has no color. Uh, character is what you are or, or what you aspire to be. And there have been a lot of good athletes of all colors who have screwed up and then been able to show that their character for life uh, was was uh, far greater than something that they did wrong. Do you think he's able to bounce back from this? Because there's a, quite a few people that are saying that he's not going to be able to bounce back. Do you think he is? Well, he, he has the number one football team in the National Football League. So he has a chance to, to win and then prove it through winning. Uh, it's not like he's uh, playing on a very bad football team. Mm-hmm. So uh, their cap situation is, I think, is pretty good. And there'll be free agents who will want to go there who are at the end of their career but will play for less money. So they're, they're in, a, in, a, in a weak division, which helps also. So I think he has a chance to prove it. I, I just think the... The um, I don't know if it's the criticism or the prediction that, or, or, or even calling into question whether he can bounce back or not. I, you know, my my personal impression in that is that, and you know, with respect, I, I think that's kind of foolish. I mean, the guy's an incredible athlete. He's an incredible <clears throat> quarterback. He's got tremendous gifts. Um, 
And if, if somebody thinks that those are just going to disappear overnight, I just I find that astounding, Butch, to be honest with you. But that's, I mean, he, he had a bad game, okay? He had a bad game. It's a learning curve. John Elway lost his first right, two Super sir. Bowls. Yep. You, know, uh, you know, a lot of great quarterbacks in the history of the NFL didn't win their first Super Bowl or didn't win any Super Bowls at all. Right. And he's an NFL MVP. He's an he's an elite company. Yes. Uh, to say he's gonna whether he's gonna bounce back, I just I just found that an astounding an astounding observation. Quite frankly, I almost felt like Cam got put in a position last Sunday to not succeed. Right. I, I got to blame his coaching staff for a lot of what happened. I mean, certainly, you know, they they came out and just seemed like they weren't prepared right. for what hit them. Right. And 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 you know. You deal with that in the first half. I thought it was going to be a different second half. Why does that? I, I thought Carolina's coaching staff was going to make some adjustments at second half. To, I don't know if you can neutralize Von Miller, right. but to minimize his impact on the game. And, and they came out with the same play set in the second half. That happened, I don't get it. That happens in a lot of Super Bowls when uh, they don't come out prepared, ready well, to prepare. Prob- Why is that? The problem is, is that when you play a, a great sector of a team, in other words, the uh, the uh, defensive end pass rush, you can't duplicate their speed in that short period of time. So you try to have confidence in your group. And, you know, the, the greatest coaching lesson I ever heard was from Al McGuire. He says, you know, the greatest, the greatest game plan is you worked all week on what you wanted to do, and five minutes into the game you got to go and stick your head in the huddle and say, hey, guys, this isn't going to work. we got to go another direction. And they were not capable of going another direction. You have the number one rushing quarterback in the league, and I would have tried at, at some point to to rush him off tackle uh, because you had to find a way to slow them down. The only way to do it was with Cam, because the only other way you can get an odd man, an extra man to block those guys, would be if you went option and and uh, had him run the football. So. I think they kept thinking we've come back. We've been such a great team. Uh, there probably is lessons to learn in losing two or three games during the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So, so that you understand what your true weaknesses were. You had a great team. Should have went undefeated. Lost a game in Atlanta. So they really didn't know exactly what their weaknesses were, and that that was quite evident. I thought in the Super Bowl. You have to give Wade Phillips some credit for coming up with the defensive scheme for the for the game because he looks like he did a pretty good job. Like, well, he, uh, Wade, went in, Wade went in the room and said, I got a tiger over there and a tiger <laughs> over there. All right, when I say go, unlock the door. <laughs> and, and let him run. I'd love to be a coach in that position. Anyways, Butch, uh, we've got, of course, Butch Carter, voice of the Raptors, and we've got to move on from the Super Bowl uh, because Toronto is the center of the universe this weekend. They're certainly the center of the basketball universe. First time ever in the history, correct me if I'm wrong, but first time ever in the history of the NBA that the All-Star Game has not been held in the United States. It's in Canada. It's a huge event, isn't it, Butch? It is. Uh, it is a huge event, and it's. Uh, I think it's worked out very well. Right? And certainly, uh, uh, Toronto. Uh, you know, it's not the, not the weather we uh, weather we would have liked, but that that you know, there's been comments in the media and all that. That's that's irrelevant, isn't it? It's irrelevant. I think the most important thing is that uh, the weather. I think has hurt locals being able to get out and enjoy stuff because. Uh, you know, this weather is dangerous for people and being overexposed. But I think it's really helped 
uh, with the players and the NBA community, the sponsors, because they're all the events are indoors and they're forced indoors, and there's nothing else to distract them. They're not going to be on Bloor Street shopping uh, and walking. So uh, I think it's really enhanced uh, everyone who's come north uh, to Toronto to to uh, feel and taste the whole experience of the NBA. And um, a couple of my friends uh, called me early, like, you know, are you going to go? Are you going to go? And uh, they did a good job of saying, hey, you know, let's go to some stuff. And uh, I don't know if I would have gone if, if I hadn't been encouraged to go. But it's it's really been nice. It's been nice to see. Yesterday I ran into a young man, Cedric Tony from uh, the University of Dayton, and he was – I ran into him in the gym. He was uh, at Oklahoma Junior College, was from Dayton, Ohio, uh, and I kind of adopted him and took him in and uh, helped him understand. And he would uh, always be at the house on the weekend eating because the dorm was closed, but just showing – but to see him and his wife uh, at the event yesterday, we went – I went to uh, – for they were honoring Dale Curry – for athletes in action, it was uh, it was very it was very nice for him to come up and grab me and say thank you, um, because as a young man uh, living in a very bad situation, uh, he played very well at the University of Dayton and uh, played some years in professional basketball in the NBA, but that's what that's what this weekend's about. All those people for years and years and years see Bill Russell sitting down there on the sideline during the con- uh, dunk contest, Oscar Robinson. Uh, my first professional game was see Oscar Robinson in, Cin- in the Cincinnati Gardens. Yeah. So that's really what it was about. Uh, went to a couple events for NBA in Africa. Uh, did not have any concept of what was going on there. Uh, was very impressed by, by what they're doing and the direction in which the league is basically handed it over to uh, to the Africans and the former African players to grow that market, so it's been pretty nice. We're talking, we're talking, of course, to Butch Carter, and it's uh, it's the NBA All Star Game this uh, this weekend in Toronto. It's a huge sporting event, and we're going to go to break, and uh, we're going to come back with Butch, and we're going to talk some more about the All Star Game because uh, it is it is an important sports event in Toronto's uh, sporting history. And uh, later on in the hour, we're going to have Michael Trakos, the uh, uh, senior hockey writer for Post Media Sports, certainly some uh, some bombshell announcements from uh, from the ACC this week that we want to talk about. We'll be back shortly. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just $13.99 for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. 
Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. And with us in studio this morning is Butch Carter, former Raptors coach and, of course, the big topic of conversation. In the Toronto sporting world this weekend, of course, is the NBA All-Star Game. In Toronto, the first time the NBA has ever held the All-Star Game outside of the United States. Butch, uh, I know you're involved in some uh, some activities this weekend, but uh, going back to the meaning of the All-Star Game in Toronto, is this the most significant basketball event in the history of Toronto? Yes, not even close. Not even close, is o- it? Outside of the first game where the Huskies played the Knicks, uh, without a doubt, it's, it's uh, this has been a first-class adventure. So I, I don't know how much money MLSE has burned, but... Um, I, hopefully, when they go to the next board meeting, they'll be very happy. They won't be happy about the blood that they let in red ink, but from the standpoint of uh, it will improve their stature. Um, the only thing that I'm hearing is a negative is that we don't have ESPN up here. <laughs> and they didn't know you had to watch hockey on every channel. <laughs> Now, this is Kobe Bryant's final year, and he's uh, playing in Toronto for the All-Star Game. Where does he stand in uh, players of all time, best players of all time? I don't think Kobe's in the top 10. and I may not be in my top 15. And I just think that you have to 
Magic always said he was the luckiest guy in the world because he played with Kareem. I've never heard Kobe say he was lucky playing with Shaquille. It's like he thinks he won all those rings by himself. Or Pau Gasol. So, uh, I understand, you know, people talk about his passion for the game and, and his determination. I mean, that's all good, but uh, all-time greats, I don't think he is in the top 15. Then I think statistically, you know, that will be proven out. He played with great players. Uh, Robert Horry's got more rings than anyone. He was, uh, so, I mean... The issue is that it's it's a it's being done the way it's supposed to. You have one of your uh, generational players leaving the game, and the young guys like him. So I think Kevin Durant said it best when he was very critical of the media and how hard they were being on Kobe. But uh, after Kobe got into the problem in Colorado, he kind of brought a lot of it on himself. So, uh, but the way the NBA is, they have a wonderful way of moving down the road and, and uh, Kobe's brilliance is not really understood east of the Mississippi. His brilliance is better understood in California than China. Uh, uh, now, uh, getting to the Raptors, uh, there's been a lot of talk of making a trade at the deadline. Do you see them making a trade and should they uh, make it? Well, he's done a very good job of improving his team. If you look at the efficiencies the team had, they needed a shot blocker, rim protector, he went and got one. He needed a better. He needs. You need. To, you have to have a wing defender in the East with uh, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, uh, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James. You must have a wing defender. Demar is not a great wing defender, so he went out and got Carroll. The issue is is that it's hurt him. As, as I've always said, uh, I believe Carroll was injured when they signed him. Uh, this is accumulation of the injury he sustained in the playoffs with Cleveland. And so he's not available. So regardless of what you acquire, it has to be healthy. And he has not been healthy uh, for them and not available right now. But they are a very good team. And if they can get Carroll back and make one deal, uh, Scola, I believe, is a very good player, but he's probably a 50-game player, not an mm -hmm. 82 player. Yeah. And Patterson hasn't played well at all. So uh, what are they looking for then? What's the one? Who's the one guy or what position does the one guy play that they need? They need, they need a great big, right? So the one would have been Gasol, but now he's hurt, so he's not available. Dwight Howard might be available. But, you know, that you need to keep adding to a great big in the East has very little competition. Right? But, but I want to go back to the All-Star game yeah. uh, because it's such a huge event. And I'm, I'm quite frankly, I'm a little bit taken aback about your – your ranking of Kobe in the pantheon of, of NS, NBA superstars. So I, I want to uh, uh, delve into that a little bit deeper. In your assessment, because, you know, the NBA All-Star Game is a celebration of, of talent, and a lot of, the, a lot of the greats of the game are in town. Yes. I mean, we, I mean, we're talking about earlier, if I'm not mistaken, Bill Russell's in town. Yes. The big O, Oscar Robertson. Yes. I mean, you, you know, the NBA... Uh, uh, does an incredible job on on their All Star game, um, but in the in the in in the where you assess the greats of the game, who are who are your top players of all time? Well, I mean, you have you have to put Magic Magic Bird Jordan, Russell Chamberlain, 
I, I don't know how you. It's a pretty good five. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you avoid the, you know, those yeah. right. So and and then from there, you know, it gets a little more choppy. But again, where do you push Shaquille? Right. I mean, it's you know he, he won championships with different teams. I mean, he, it's 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 very. You have to think the guys who are extremely impactful individually. Because the Hall of Fame or, you know, your top 10 of all time or 15 of all time is really individual. So, and I think when you put Shaquille, then you got to put Tim Duncan, right? And you got to put Hakeem, right? You, you've just got some guys who have just really done some dynamite things athletically in their history with the NBA. And, you know, when you talk about, I don't know, if there's never been a two-way player like Michael Jordan from the wing standpoint, right? So, I mean, anyone telling you that Kobe's going would play well against Michael Jordan, you're fooling yourself. Kobe would shoot a lot of balls because that's what he does anyway, right? But the issue at the end of the day is that when you talk about top ten players, I don't, I don't see how he he gets a pair of shoes. How old were you when you started playing basketball? Uh, we were probably at the uh, Lincoln Community Center playing from the time I was six or seven. Is this years Cincinnati. Old. Yes, in Cincinnati. So, uh, let me ask you a question: um, Who was your Who was your basketball hero when you were growing up? Havlicek. Oh, Havlicek. 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 Was the Celtics your team? Celtics were my team because uh, Sam Jones banked it off the window, and uh, Russell just impressed me with that. His teams were always winning, and he wasn't the leading scorer. And uh, but you know, Havlicek's from Ohio and played at Ohio State, and. Uh, and, they, you know, the guys made shots. People, the Celtics were great because Russell did not have to make shots. Offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, blocking key shots. But it was a great shooting team. Uh, Nelson with his wild one-handed uh, shot. <laughs> uh, the Jones brothers, Casey and Sam. Uh, Sat Sanders. Uh, uh, Garfinkel. I mean, uh, it was just, for me, you know, that's... That was the one game of the week. You know, we, we would see the Knicks every once in a while. Um, but in my mind, the uh, Celtics were, were a team. They were a machine. Going back to the All-Star game here, um, and it's the most I mean, obviously the most significant basketball event in Toronto's history. And it's really amazing. Uh, and this I think this separates the NBA from every other sporting league in terms of their All-Star game is the NBA players fight to get into this game. And a lot of the other sports are looking to get out of the game. Well, the the the, uh, the NBA basically, you know, I was sitting in the stands talking to someone last night about it, and the decision to embrace um, uh, rap music, and, you know, the NBA is the most, has been in more lyrics than any other sport by 20. Uh, Spike Lee sitting at half court. So they did some embracement things that people might have thought, you know, if you're ultra-conservative, you know, I'm not going there. But the, uh, the NBA players want to be there because it is a celebrity event. you got basketball players wanting to be singers and rappers, and you got rappers there and actors wanting to be basketball players. And so it, it just ended up being a really good match, and that match has extremely elevated amongst the populations of all colors the game of uh, basketball for the NBA. Now you were you were involved with the Raptors in the early uh, uh, late nineties and during the Vince era, Vince yeah. Sanity. 
No. And uh, it's come out, it seems like 10, 15 years later, the success of Canadian basketball, the Wiggins and the Bennetts and the Murrays and whatever, yeah. we're, we're actually starting to trace this back mm-hmm. to the Vinsanity era. Uh, and now we've got this NBA All-Star game. Is does that, What kind of an impact does that have on developing basketball in Canada? Well, there'll, there'll be another uh, a glut of players after this. After everyone leaves, there'll be a vacuum for a little while. But... Uh, you know, last night my 12-year-old was extremely impressed with how high they jumped on the dunk contest. That and, was an incredible and, dunk contest, by the way. That's it, the it, best I've seen in a long time. And he, uh, I think it was a changing moment for him. And uh, I think he's like a, rest, a lot of the young kids. They're going to be waving a Canadian flag and... Uh, they got to touch people. I seen Wiggins did something in his old community in Vaughn at the center yeah, he there. Did, yeah. Right? So these kids are getting to touch someone and I've always said it's easier when you show them instead of telling them. So um, it's come f- to fruition. Um, but I there will be another generation that will be better than the generation you've seen. Wonderful. Anyways, we're talking, of course, to Butch Carter, the former Raptors coach, and we're talking about the NBA All-Star Game. Uh, We've got to go to break right now, and as soon as we come back from break, we'll have Michael Trakos, the uh, senior hockey writer for Post Media News, talking about a bombshell in Toronto Maple Leaf land this week. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced the really big pizza deal. It's even bigger than Toronto basketball star Jonas Valanciunas. He wears size 17 shoes, but the really big pizza is 18 inches, topped with pepperoni. Plus, you get 16 wings, and you get the really big pizza deal for just $29.99. Try getting Jonas for that. Call Pizzaville at pound 3636 from your cell phone. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying... 
Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, you're listening live to us from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. If you're listening in downtown Toronto on 96.7 FM. On the phone with us now is Michael Trakos. Michael is the senior hockey writer for Post Media News. Good morning, Michael. Hey, how you guys doing this morning? We're, we're doing great. Just to let you know, we've got in studio with us uh, Butch Carter, former Raptors coach. So if you hear a voice that's not Naz or Wally, you'll be listening to the unmistakable voice of Butch Carter. Oh, that's great. I, uh, I'm 36 years old, so uh, I was growing up in the heyday of... Uh, of insanity. Raptors were first started, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I know Butch uh, very well just as a fan. I uh, never had the pleasure. So how you doing, Butch? Good. How are you, Mike? Glad to, Good, glad to have you here. Michael, there was a bombshell uh, that caught every, uh, I think it caught everybody by surprise that came out of the ACC. That, of course, referring to the uh, the deal between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Ottawa Senators. Was it, uh, was it a bombshell and was it a surprise for you when you, when you heard about it? Oh, 100%. Uh, we obviously heard rumblings that Dion Phaneuf would probably get traded at this uh, deadline, but the fact that it's the Ottawa Senators, a division rival and a geographic rival, uh, was all the more shocking. But um, I think what really caught us off guard and really kind of almost impressed us to an extent, if you're a Leaf fan, uh, was the fact that uh, you're able to trade Dion enough and you don't have to retain salary or take necessarily a problem contract that's going to hamper the team um, down the road. So um, the big thing for Toronto is they get them off the books and they create that cap flexibility that is just, so important in today's game, uh, whether it's the NHL or the NBA, um, having that financial freedom to go out and get free agents a la uh, Steven Stamkos or just um, have the freedom to re-sign the guys that you do want to build around is just paramount to any kind of successful franchise. So um, it's a first step in rebuilding. Um, I always say it's easy to tear down. It's harder to, to build it back up again. So we'll see what uh, GM Lou Lamorello and uh, Shanahan can do in terms of finding the right free agents and making sure that they're not paying above slot for a lot of their own players. Michael, there's uh, there seems to be another shoe to drop, I think, in this whole thing. and uh, I think it has to do with Steven Stamkos. Now, uh, taking a look at uh, the situation with Stamkos and the coming uh, the upcoming draft, where the Leafs are going to draft probably a uh, in the top three and maybe even uh, Austin Matthews. I don't see uh, Kadri being here for long. What are your thoughts? 
You know what? I have the same kind of thoughts. I was just talking to uh, just a friend of mine about the same thing. I had a real, you know, just, uh, you know maybe call it a gut feeling more than anything right now because I actually haven't heard uh, from other teams or agents that Kadri is necessarily on the trading block. But uh, if you recall, like Mike Babcock went out of his way every day to really kind of pump Dion Phaneuf's tires and really let it be known that this guy had refound his game and was an important piece to the the Leafs going forward. And then obviously he gets traded. And you know they're doing the same things with Nazem Kadri. And uh, I like Nazem as a player. I like him as a person. Even uh, in that locker room, I think he's. Uh, work really hard and diligently to um, to have a two-way game and uh, be a useful top two center. Um, that being said, um, with, with where this team is kind of going and what they need, um, I think you need uh, another draft pick or another younger prospect, and you do need Nazem Kadri, a uh, uh, smaller sized forward who probably isn't going to punch above uh, a number two role for uh, the least down the middle. So. Um, I could definitely see him getting moved for a draft pick and maybe even a prospect at the deadline. Now, the situation at center would be if Stamkos were to come here, and I, I honestly think he is going to be here, but with Stamkos and an Austin Matthews and even a Tyler Bozak, Bozak can fit into the third or second center where Kadri can't, and he can only play number two. He's not a third-line center. And that's yeah, what, that's what that's what my thoughts are on that. And don't forget William Nylander as well. Yes. They're really trying to make into a center, and uh, prior to him getting uh, concussed at the World Juniors, uh, had been playing center for Sweden too. So uh, I think in all likelihood he's going to probably be, uh, at the worst, the number two center. Maybe if they if they are so full and they do get a Matthews and a Stamkos in, in the next few months, um, maybe convert William, uh, Nylander back to wing. But um, it does give them a lot of options. And I, I'm kind of with you. I just think... Um, there's another shoe to drop, and whether it's Stamkos coming here or Kadri leaving, um, the team as it's assembled is probably not going to be the same one that you see in September. We're talking to, excuse me, we're talking to Michael Tracos, the senior hockey writer for Post Media News. Uh, Michael, uh, just go back to the Phaneuf trade again, and uh, um, you know Phaneuf wasn't the only part of that trade. Obviously, from the Leafs' perspective, it was uh, more about clearing up cap space, but. Analyze the rest of that trade. I mean, uh, you know, we tend to, uh, on social media or between friends or whatever, you know, always say he was traded for the proverbial bag of pucks. And, uh, but that's not, in fact, the case. Analyze the trade. Are there any other bits of this trade, any other pieces of the trade from a hockey perspective for the Leafs that, uh, that make sense? <laughs> Honestly, I think you're, you're probably just going to be looking towards the prospect Lindbergh and uh, what Mark Hunter and his scouting staff can do with that second-round pick in 2017. Aside from that, I don't see a whole lot of value with Emilio Mihalik, aside from um, he's an older guy, he's a veteran, so you do need those guys uh, when you're building or rebuilding a team, when you've got a lot of young uh, faces in the locker room. It's good to have someone who's been around the block and um, can play and act like a pro. Uh, Jared Cowan on defense. I don't see a whole lot out of him. I think that kind of role that he plays, that stay-at-home defense role, is being phased out of the NHL slowly or quickly, however you want to name it. Um, there's just not a lot of players that can um, just hang back, dump the puck in, and play that kind of uh, style anymore. Um, and then we look at Colin Greening. Well, he was a bubble NHLer, and I don't think that's going to change when you're talking about a guy who's pushing 30 almost so. 
Yeah, I think for the, for the Leafs, it's all about cap space. Um, hopefully, turning a prospect, and you got to remember the assistant coach um, coached uh, Lindbergh uh, in Oshawa, so he's got some familiarity there. He probably thinks he's a B level prospect, maybe a guy that can maybe one day get into this top six, if not a good third line winger. Um, but aside from that, yeah, I think uh, I want to say he was traded for a bag of pucks and just kind of uh, go from there. But it, it more seems that way than they got an actual uh, legit players back. Michael, down in uh, with the Marlies, how many guys are there that could uh, play on the uh, big club right now, do you think? Uh, like right now, or are we talking about the next couple of years? I would say the next year or two. Uh, we're waiting. Here is one I'm getting at with the defense. They have uh, Riley and Gardner as their two main guys, and Hunwick is there also. And yeah. Polak's going to get probably traded at the deadline, right? Mm-hmm. So they're really weak back there. Is there anybody on on the D side in in, in the Marlies uh, that can could come up? Well, you're probably going to look at a Scott Harrington. Um, that, that's one guy. Renat Valiev or Victor Love. I still think they're working things out at the minor league level. Um, I think in a year or two, um, they could possibly be uh, guys that are playing um, uh, in your defense core as long as they're de- as, as long as they develop well. Um, Stuart Percy, I don't know where he's at right now. Um, guys I talk to watch the Marlies a whole lot more than I do. Aren't very high on his development. Aren't very sure that he's even going to get into um, the Leafs lineup on a regular basis. Um, and aside from that, then you're looking at just kind of prospects and. Uh, a Travis Dermott um, is one big name for them. But I really think if they don't get an Austin Matthews at this year's draft, they've got to be targeting a guy like Jacob Chikrin, uh from Sarnia, who is arguably the best defender in this draft and uh, a guy that uh, with his size and skating ability and uh, ability to move the puck uh, figures into being kind of a franchise-type defenseman um, and could be a guy that you build around along with Morgan Riley. So, It'll be interesting what their draft strategy is because while you want to take the best player available, um, when you're talking about apples and oranges and uh, there's probably not a lot separating their skill level, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they target that defenseman. Now, uh, Jonathan Bernier, what I what I hear is that um, Reimer is going to sign a multi-year contract with the lease and stay here. What did they do with Bernier? Yeah, you ride it out, man. <laughs> ride it out. This is not really what you. Well, what can you do? You're not going to buy him out. That's going to hamper you down the road. And uh, if you can find a team, and God knows the Leafs have uh, managed to uh, sell some uh, magic beans to uh, are, are, the clubs. Are, are there any <laughs> other guys on long-term disability out there? I mean, uh, yeah, like managing to get rid of David Clark. We need some more Nathan Martin. All, oh, you, all you need is one. <laughs> yeah. They got some smoke and mirrors going on there, that's for sure. So maybe you can trick another GM into taking uh, Jonathan Bernier. But, yeah, barring that, yeah, you just ride it out. <laughs> We're talking to Michael Trakos, the uh, senior uh, hockey writer for uh, Post Media, and uh, talking about the Austin Matthews Derby. And uh, I was, uh, you know, we, we have the privilege on this show of Michael of uh, the nature of the show is we don't necessarily, Naz and I don't have to be objective. We, 
we 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 can uh, we can throw our opinions out there in terms of being uh, fans and whatever. And I was kind of disheartened to see the Toronto Marlies beat the uh, Vancouver Canucks last night. <laughs> uh, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek uh, jab there, and I'm kind of hoping yeah. that they you know they, they kind of stop bringing these Marlies up because they come up they actually. Uh, they actually perform, and uh, it was, it was a, a, an impressive performance by them last night. Uh, outshot the Canucks 38-16. to 16. But um, any other moves you can see between now and the trade deadline? We've talked about Kadri. Um, anybody else you can see that might be headed out of town? Uh, well, you mentioned Polak. I, I think he's an obvious guy. Um, P.A. Parento might have some value. Uh, for a team that's looking for maybe some depth scoring, some help on the power play. Um, he's been fine. Uh, Matthias has been hurt, uh, and when he's been in the lineup, hasn't looked that great, to be honest. Um, I'm not seeing a whole lot of value for anyone else, really. Maybe um, Mark Arcabello scores twice last night. Uh, maybe his value is never higher than it is right now. But... <laughs> Let's get him out. <laughs> yeah, get him out as he comes in for really his first game. Uh, yeah, it's it's not like last season uh, where they had Cody Franz and they had a couple other names that you could probably dangle for a second or first round pick. Um, it is slim pickings, and I think I think that's why that's probably um, quite impressive that they were able to pull the Dion Phaneuf trade out because um, definitely helps the team and helped them more than what they already had in terms of retiring con- or expiring contracts. Where do you think uh, Stamkos is going to end up? You know, I, I, I change every day. Um, today I'm still thinking that he's going to go back to uh, resign in Tampa Bay. I don't think they can afford to let a uh, franchise forward like that go, um, especially at the trade deadline when you're looking at they trade to Stamkos and there goes their playoff hopes uh, or Stanley Cup hopes. And if they keep him and they're not able to resign him and they lose him for nothing, well, you know, that's kind of one of the gambles you almost have to make. And um, I just don't see them trading him right now, and I don't know. I think it's still kind of I don't say a pipe dream that he lands in Toronto, but it might be wishful thinking. Michael, if he resigns in Tampa, and you know we've had this discussion and we've talked about it with Butch as well. Uh, we we think we think the Stamkos number um, has to be ten and a half and up, anywhere from ten and a half to possibly. Twelve. Uh, you really think Tampa? You think Eiserman's willing to go that high? I think MLSC is. Yeah, it's a it's a good it, point. I, I just I just can't see I can't see Eiserman going north of nine nine and a half million. I just I can't see it. They just even even the way they play him. I mean, uh, it's not like he's burning up minutes the way yeah. he used to. But your 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 assessment. Yeah, and that's why I almost kind of flip-flop in, the, in that regard because Tampa's got a lot of number of uh, young players that they're going to have to resign and Victor Hedman is one uh, Ben Bishop they have to figure out what they want to do with him and they've got that young crew of Andre Collad and uh, Kucherov uh, and Paolo Johnson that they've also got to worry about uh, never mind figure out uh, who's going to come back in that Johnson Drew uh, deal that's still kind of pending so yeah it, there's a lot of a lot of factors definitely at play and maybe it's uh, something where uh, term plays a big part in this, uh, whether they go the full seven-year deal if they are going to re-sign them or uh, if they go something shorter and maybe go more max dollar. So there's a number of ways they can play around with it. But, 
Yeah, I'm not so sure that uh, he's kind of written his way out of Tampa just yet. Okay, thank you. And Michael, we've been talking to Michael Trakos, the senior hockey writer for Post Media News. Listen, uh, Michael, we really want to thank you for uh, for your insights. Uh, you're one of the most insightful hockey writers in Canada. We love reading your columns in the Post and in the Sun, and uh, you're on the pulse of a lot of things, and we appreciate you coming on the show and sharing that with us. Thanks so much. All right, guys. Well, really appreciate uh, coming on, and uh, yeah, have a great day. Uh uh, Valentine's Day. Make sure you don't leave your loved ones uh, unattended and uh, have a good rest of the weekend. Already taken care of, my friend. All right. Take Thanks. care. Thanks so much. That, of course, was uh, Michael Trakos, uh, uh, senior writer for the for the Post. Uh, we do want to go to calls. I'll, uh, I'll read out the numbers very, very quickly. Uh, 416-360-0740. 740 Once again, 416 416- Three six zero zero seven four zero one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. We've got time for a couple of quick calls. Butch, Stamkos, MLSE, Tampa Bay, eight and a half million, ten million, twelve million, fourteen million. What's what's your assessment of this uh, of this uh, where this is headed? Well, the risk to MLSE for hockey would be. Uh, your young players that you drafted, Marner, uh, the kids you have down at the Marlies, uh, they need a star to let them mature. And uh, I don't know, you know, you, we shouldn't be surprised about the Leafs going on a West Coast trip and winning games. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with uh, the current coach, Babcock, has won more games against the Western Division than any coach in the conference, probably, in the Eastern Conference. So there's a certain amount of uh, confidence and familiarity with Western teams and style of play uh, and, and the ice arenas. So I think what you're seeing is a really good coach uh, give confidence to guys who would not normally have it, uh, come back from you know a, a bad loss in Edmonton and uh, play with the effort that they did in Vancouver. So I think their, their risk is not in Stamkos. Their risk is still in... You picked a kid last year, did not play well in the World Juniors. You've got a kid that's been concussed. So the problem there is that once a kid is concussed, does he have a trend of other concussions? Um, so there goes the injury bug. So I don't think their risk is in a – they've done what you needed to do from the standpoint of you take all your assets when you're terrible, but you tell the world that your assets are wonderful, they're great people. They're doing what they're supposed to do, all right? Because the you need to have other people feel good about what you're getting ready to dump on them. Mike from Mincing, you got a Super Bowl comment. Good morning, Mike. Yeah, good morning, boys. How are you doing? We're doing great. What's on your mind this morning? Um, I just want to make a quick comment on the Super Bowl, uh, Walter. Please. Um, I uh, I was on the fence with Cam Newton. Um, uh, that play we're talking about at the end of the game when he fumbled there. They were still in the game. It was 49-3. Okay, but it wasn't. You're still in the game. Whatever reason, he backed off. This one goes to Nas. Hey, Nas, what would have happened if Coach Cramner seen you do that during the game? <laughs> Anyways, How many laps would you be doing? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Mike, uh, Mike from Mincing, thanks for the call. I'm going to turn it over to Butch for a quick comment on that. Uh, he, uh, Newton took a lot of heat for that, failing to drop on the ball. I, I just... It's a quick, it's a split second decision. 
Uh, The issue is, uh, internally, however he internalizes it, all right, for all the TV fans, football fans, is a wrong decision, right? You either sell out, all right, or you're a coward. So he's closer to the C word in the opinion of those watching the games than, you know, what does a football player do? I mean, a great football player puts everything at risk. And that one moment, for whatever reason, he blacked out or whatever. He didn't. He, you mean, know, he didn't put it at risk. Yeah, he just. You know, athletes sometimes they get caught. He, he looked like a deer caught in the headlights. It's just like it happened. It's almost his first reaction was maybe he thought that it wasn't a fumble that I, he had, they had followed right, through. It could have been, but right. But, and then he just he says, "Well, what do I do here?" Is yep. is this a fumble or isn't it? Right. And by Wal- the time he realized, right. the play was it was over for well, him. Well, the thing right? is, Walter, everyone's saying it was a fumble, right? It was a deflection, def- an, a, to yeah, force was, a fumble, yeah. right? So, the, like Cam didn't know at what correct. point when when his arm came through. Yep. I mean, he he followed through with 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 the throw. Yeah. But at that point in time, he may not have known when the ball came away from his hand. Well, but here, here you know, if you go back to Peyton's Colts versus Saints game, right? Yeah. Terrible loss for the Colts, all right? And there were distinctive plays in which Peyton throws a pick, pick six, right? That guy, I think he played one more year in the league, you know, and he was gone. So for whatever reason, the Super Bowl has a way of, as it does, creating great heroes and... uh, And and goats. Yeah, it does. Kevin from Buffalo, we've got a, a quick minute for you. Kevin, good morning. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen, and Mr. Beard. It's Mr. Carter. Kevin, Mr. it's Carter. Mr. Carter. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, I, no problem. There, all, we actually, all, there was a Butch Beard, by the way. Yeah, uh, we, we know, Kevin. You're from New York, and Butch Beard, he, he, he was a coach and player in the New York area, so I understand. Anyways, yeah, Kevin. And, and I apologize. No problem, he was a, Kevin. He was a good one just like you, sir. And real quick, two points. So exciting with the NBA All-Star Game, how it has grown so. And Mr. Carter, it was wonderful to hear you. Uh, This old Celtic teams, the the great dynasties, and such such great tradition. And wrapping up, gentlemen, uh, very quickly, the Flyer-Saber game on Thursday. And I know this could be a topic that could be so long. There was a hit a flyer defenseman by the name of Gudis, and he leveled Don Cadenari, a, 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 a rookie for the Sabres. And it just, you know, I guess we could talk until we're blue in the face, the league, on, on reviewing of these hits and uh, how one player can get like 10 games and like a hit the other evening. That Ke- was- Kevin, I'm going to ask you to wrap this up real quick. And, and I'll just close on that note. You gentlemen have a great weekend, and you have an outstanding show. Thanks so much, Kevin. I, I think the point he was making, Butch, is uh, the, uh, the the appropriate level of uh, penalties for, for aberrant behavior um, in the NHL. And I think that's the point he's trying to make. He's trying to make the point maybe... In, in today's world, uh, the penalties aren't enough. Any uh, any opinion on that? Well, clearly the last time a player visited the commissioner's office, he got more than what he thought he was going to get. <laughs> That's so I, I think that, um, look, the the game of sport is, is more enjoyed without uh, the perception from the fans that cheap shots are being taken. 
in regards to the history of hockey, uh, you, you need to eliminate what is perceived to be the old gooniism and the targeting of, of athletes. And I think they have transitioned their way towards that, making sure players aren't launching themselves at other players. But I think the whole targeting issue and revenge issue that starts, and I think it's the crap that they're allow, they allow in the OHL. Why are 15- and 16-year-olds fighting each other over a hockey game? Uh, re- really quickly, we've got just a few seconds. Let us go maybe 10, 20 seconds over. Uh, NBA All-Star Game, uh, DeRozan, Lowry, obviously a big, big achievements for the Raptors. What do you see them doing today? I think it's a, it's a great thing that they have two players – uh, and in the, in your home city that deserve to be there. Uh, they've done an outstanding job in leading their team, especially over the franchise over the last three years, and it's very well-deserved everything that's come to them. Butch, we really appreciate it. You know, we got a, you've got a busy schedule today. It's the NBA All-Star Game Toronto. We highly encourage all our listeners to watch, and it should be a great, great game tonight, and uh, always a pleasure to have you here, Butch. Thank you, Walter, and thank you, Wally. And, uh, Naz, yeah, have thanks. a fantastic have a, week. Yeah, and, Happy uh, Valentine's Day to all the uh, to all to all. And we'll be back again next Sunday morning at nine. Thanks so much. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.